So I'm back on the podcast and today I have Mark Andrew with me, professional MMA fighter. He's a coach, he's a trainer at Stealth and Ballymena, which we'll come to shortly. But first and foremost, Mark, welcome to the show. Delighted to have you here. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. I was always interested whenever you asked me. I was straight on the ball. Yeah, you were. You were like, you were firing back. Fingers were burning. <laughs> you know what? Uh, but no, Mark, it's it's an absolute pleasure to, to have you here and um we'll, we'll get right into it where can people find you on social media whether it be instagram twitter facebook if anyone wants to get in touch with you um well i've got my instagram um it's a mixture of like my, my fighting sort of side of stuff as well as coaching it's mark andrew full stop mma i think and then my twitter's mark andrew 95 uh facebook just search my name mark andrew it'll come up it should be under the profit so yeah. That's basically my social media stuff. Yeah. Well, it's good. It's a way for people to get in touch with you, you know, if you have any questions of which they want me to ask and I don't ask, etc. Yeah. <laughs> um, but specifically, why The Prophet? Why was the nickname The Prophet? Where did that come from? John O'What? It was a... Uh, I had quite a few different ring names and I was actually on my pro debut. Uh, I didn't have a ring name at all. And then it was an interviewer after he... I was talking about my teammate Reese because Reese was on after me, and I was saying, "Oh, you have to watch out for Reese, and like, he's going to be doing big things and stuff." And then he go, and then he called me the prophet, and then I, it was actually funny if you you look it up on YouTube, he says it, and I'm just like, "I like that." And then <laughs> after ever since that was it, like I, I went with it. So that was the first part. Well, now that you 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 give you know you mentioned Reese, you've nicknamed the prophet, um. Yeah. Next question I've got for you. I'm going to put money on it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Big time, right? So you started fighting. You got the nickname of the Prophet. Your teammate's Reese McKee. I want to go, I want to, we'll talk about that, but I want to go back a little bit. I want to go, when did you discover MMA? And was it a particular school of learning? Was it Muay Thai? Was it karate, jiu-jitsu? What attracted you to MMA and how did you get involved and start getting into it? Well... When the first when it first came around, it was actually I was in school. I was about fifteen years. I think only turned fifteen years old, and I was playing football and um, soccer. I was uh, quite a, a chunky kid. I was a big kid, like so. Uh-huh. I, I just wasn't really enjoying the football side of things, and I just sort of I, I thought to myself, well, maybe time to to give something a go. And one of my mates actually joked about me. Like, he was like, "Oh, you should go to MMA or something." and see since then I was just, it was in my head yeah I'm going to do it and funny th- funny enough there I was I was training uh, and that's how it started it was just like an obsession after that like it just kept going and going and I was committed to it from from the day one I mean it was a, it was the hardest time in my life to get started I tell you that much but once we got started it was it was it was new like I knew I wanted to do it yeah it was just that when you did get started was it a lot of what how did it start for you was it a lot of conditioning was it a lot of fitness or was it straight into like say a school of ring was it a bit of kickboxing or wrestling perhaps what was it that really got you hooked and um, well and the gym when i started it was just mma in general so you would have had say 
your striking I start off in the beginners class obviously so one would be more striking based the other one was more like wrestling and jiu-jitsu based uh, but yeah basically it was just like sort of an all around we I've always been like all around it I never really started in one particular martial art I always yeah. liked like boxing and kickboxing stuff though so always had like a, an attraction to it I think it's a very um, it's a very Northern Irish Irish UK thing I think the boxing and kickboxing you know we've always been a big boxing area and oh, sure. anytime when you grow up in school you're always like oh fight 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 and you have two lads throwing punches at each other and i think it's something we sort of gravitate towards is sort of the, the stand-up side of things when yeah, and nice. you said there you started um around 15 what was it serious for you right away were you serious about it or was it just a bit of like oh i'm just going to do this because i'm not enjoying football um at the start it was more it was more just for health like because I just didn't feel I didn't feel comfortable like when I was that age like I just didn't I just didn't have like the the drive and the motivation everybody else did towards like football and stuff like they always were training 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 but for me I was just going to enjoy it and then that's when I transport like when the MMA came like I did enjoy it and I was like well, this is maybe what I'm meant to do so day in day out I was starting to enjoy it and it just honestly it was just it was such a weird thing because like it just triggered something you know i wasn't the kid to be like you know like i don't know like maybe more not what would i say motivated to train like that's basically it it's just the motivation to train like i never had it and then as soon as i started doing it i was like obsessed with like the pain like i'm telling you like the conditioning side of things at the start was brutal so it was like a more of a committed thing to the sport straight away but it was just for fun it was for fun and fitness yeah and from there, from fun, from fitness, you've actually you've made a career out of it. You're you're working full time now as a coach, trainer. You're still you fought professionally. Did you envisage yourself? You know, you said you started to enjoy the pain at 15 and stuff. You're starting to get really into it. Did you envision maybe at 18, 19, I can do this full time? Like this is a career for me. This isn't just you know a little phase. I think from from an out out view, like. I never thought I would be where I got to. Like I never thought it, I would never thought I would ever get there. Uh, when I was 15, 16, like I noticed myself getting better at it, but I still never thought, oh, I could never compete and stuff like that, especially at professional. But then, whenever whenever I went through the years of fighting amateur, like whenever I was getting to like 18, maybe 19, I was looking at pro fighters and I was being like. I, I could smash them, like I could smoke them. Like I was always flaunting them as well. Like you'd be watching the fight being like, What are you doing? Like it's it's nearly like a thing in your head that you have to be better than them. Like you always have to be to be better than somebody and that's whenever I started getting it around eighteen or nineteen, I think. Yeah. Really got that drive. And where were you training out of this time? Was there a particular MMA gym that you started in and are you still there or what's what's sort of the, what's going on on that side? Well, it's under Rodney Moore, so it's IMMA Next Generation. Um, it's in Ballymena, so I've I've always been there. I've been been loyal to them, so he's great. Rodney's Rodney's one of the best, and there was other coaches there too, so they were always uh, helping out too. Good boxing coaches and stuff too. Yeah, and from from that as well, you've obviously had a lot of support there. How big is how important? Maybe it's a support system of Rodney and the guys at the gym and your team and everything like that. Whenever you're going, maybe get into a fight getting prepped for a fight or even just turn up to train and you know sometimes you turn up i don't know about you but sometimes you people turn up to train and the mindset isn't there you, you're there to go through the motions how important is it is that team 
base in that team environment. See, the, the bond in our gym is very strong, especially um, there was a period maybe where it wasn't just as driven, where everybody was in the same direction. But I feel now like we've got we've got a lot of new guys coming through. But see, like we've got that big drive going again, good team vibe. So if you aren't feeling yourself, there is guys around you to bring you up. And, and Rodney especially would be one to... He's very sort of old school. He'll be like, come on, get it done. And like expect it done. And John know what? Like it's nearly... It's sort of the best way for, for us to to get motivated. It's just Rodney's simple words of just being like, Come on, let's do it and it's and it's done straight away. It's everybody switches on when Rodney talks, so it's good. Yeah. I love the drive that he pushes it pushes us on as all. Yeah, and from from there you obviously develop friendships and your your team bonding and everything like that. When did you meet Reese McKee then? Was he a part of that gym or were you used at school together or what sort of how did that friendship oh, come around? Day one, my first day was his first day. So <laughs> it's strange. Me and me and Reese had a long career, like especially amateur, like a long time together. Like it was always, uh, if he was fighting, I was fi- fighting in the same card. Uh, we went professional on the same day. It was sort of, it was strange, you know, because like he knew my style better than I knew it myself, and it was the same way for him as well. Like I knew what he wanted to do in fights, and. And we've got a good close bond. Like it's not just Reese as well. There is other guys in there that I would I would trust with my life. But yeah. Reese is definitely one of the ones that you know. Any any problem I've got, and he's helped me out a lot as well. So any problem I've got, he would take care of it and try his best to help me. Same way around though. Like I would do the same for him. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Like when you when you watch a you know a fighter at at any level, you you see a one to one and two guys in a cage or two guys in the boxing ring or whatever. But when you start looking at the bigger picture of what's behind it. There's obviously so much more that goes into it than just the two guys in the ring and in the cage. Um, for you as well, <clears throat> what about your mindset? Whenever you're getting ready to go into a fight, do you notice, is there a significant change in your mindset that maybe perhaps all year round you're training or all of a sudden you're in a six-week camp, eight-week camp, whatever it may be, is there a switch in your mindset where everything just becomes a little bit more serious or you maybe do you take everything sort of your training and everything around that serious all year round um i think you know mindset's different for everybody for my mindset i was always maybe i was always motivated to train like i like to stay in shape all year round Um, i could go into this in a lot of detail and i'm sure i probably will eventually uh but one thing is like my mindset fluctuated like quite quite up and down. So there's maybe days I was motivated, days I wasn't. Um, especially when I was amateur level, like I was training like a professional since I I'm tell about 16 years old. I was training twice a day, nearly every day. I didn't go out. I didn't. Even my friends would tell you like I was barely ever out with them uh, until I was about 20. So my mindset was strong. Like I had a strong mindset of getting better, and like I always wanted to be the hardest worker. So. I think that's one thing and then whenever I sort of like it was when it, I don't know if the, when I've got anything else going on but it was just like my mindset sort of went drop down and I didn't really have the same drive so it was weird Um, I can go into the details if you want it's up to you yeah uh, yep, please do so it was more like people say about goal setting and, and my goal was basically just to enjoy the sport so whenever I got to professional and I like, won my professional debut against one of the top guys, like I didn't really have another goal. Like My goal was done. And then that's when I sort of like wasn't training. Like I sort of took a step back nearly instead of stepping forward. 
So I didn't have the same drive and my motivation wasn't there. Not even my motivation, it was discipline. Probably I needed, like, I wasn't going to them hard sessions, which I needed. There was probably f a few fights I was training two or three times a week for, taking last minute fights. And, and I just didn't have the same, um, you know, will to be great. Like, and I think that's one thing if I realize now from back then, like I'm a total different person to I'm back even back then. And it wasn't even that long ago. But mindset is something that you nearly need to train. So like, instead of being like motivated all the time, you're not going to be motivated all the time. It's that's when like, your discipline kicks in to, to make sure you're going to them sessions and your mindset soon develops into like a killer sort of, like a killer aspect after you keep doing that. Like, you know, a bulletproof mind is what sort of we're after for in this sport. Yeah. How did it change for you then? Because you, you, you were going at it hard from you were 16, two sessions a day. You made your professional debut, you won your professional debut, you achieved pretty much the goal you set out, and then you sort of dropped off a little bit. So how did you get back to where you wanted to be? Like, what was the switch that made you think, here, I need to get back to doing what I was doing, or I need to change something here? How did that come around, and how did you feel about that? I think I think it was actually when, see, it took me a while. Like, I was still competing, and I was still in that mindset of, like, I didn't have the goal and, the like, the drive. So for me, like... I would I would always compete no matter what, but then it got to a period where like I just I couldn't like I wasn't enjoying it and I was walking out to fights demotivated like I was walking out to compete literally in about two minutes and the guys were saying right let's walk and I'd be walking out being like that's my last fight I'm not doing it again and it's a bad mindset to have it was just I don't know the training was good like I fight I was fit ready well sort of fit ready but when it came to the fight I was just like just switched off. And even people would tell you, like, when they're watching me, they think I'm an exciting fighter. But if you've seen the real me in the ring, like, you would know an exciting fighter. Um, I think it's just, like, the switch just wasn't there. But to train it into again, I had to take, like, a wee step back. So from now, like, I would say the past year or so, like, I've really been, like, sort of changing up what I've been doing and the way I've been thinking and who I'm, who I'm surrounding myself with. And I sort of have that new drive where, like, things need to get done so instead of going out to the fight feeling like i'm demotivated and like all this year like the switch just has to go there's no there's no uh guess about it it just has to go there's no thinking what ifs it's just as soon as that bell goes just go hard at it and that's why like people's going to ask me like when am i fighting again i always get the question because like, yeah. people know like this is what i want to do so it's just it's going to be good to see like whenever the next fight does come because that's when you'll get to see somebody that a lot of people haven't seen in a very long time. Yeah, well, I think that's the key. And I think the people asking you those questions are obviously people that want to see you fight and they've maybe seen your last couple of fights or seen in the last mm -hmm. sort of where you've been maybe in that mindset of where you sort of switch off as, as it goes and they're really going, where's the where's the, where's the real mark? You know, give me the real mark yeah, from exactly. the, that we've seen. And I, and I think that's a good place to be too because um, everyone loves, you know, a redemption story and i know i'm maybe yeah, sure. from, from your own opinion too if, if you're talking about your last couple of fights and not being motivated to where you are now you know there's probably yeah. a, there's an itch i would assume with how you're feeling even you saying about a redemption story like that's thing that i've been like, talking to myself i've said it a couple of times out loud to other people as well but like my story you know whenever i start like whenever i get this next fight lined up like my my story is going to be greater than probably most others because I went in from this guy being like, you know, smashing the amateur fights, winning my debut, 
then going on like a sort of a downhill spiral and then from there I'm like you'll see this guy rise from that like point of being at the bottom to the top again so it's like you know it's nearly like this guy like the odds is against him nearly type of thing and like I love off I love that like if somebody says to me like you know if you want to fight a guy one and five or do you want to fight a guy nine and oh like I would take the nine and oh kid every time like I'm not I, I that's like the level I think of myself like I know if I switch on and I'm there like them guys are the ones that I want yeah um with with that being said there's obviously a desire to get back and to get fighting again and um, people you mentioned people have asked you when your next fight is obviously with covid and everything going on it makes everything a little bit harder um did covid affect your mindset at all of where you were were you any lack of motivation did it push you a bit more to do a bit more in the house talk to me about when covid hit where you were in your mindset and how it sort of all affected you see when covid hit like i would like that's what i mean but this year like if something's against me if odds are against me like, that's when i kick in like see when covid hit like i was training every single day two or three times a day like i just I said to myself, like, I'm coming out of this year in fight shape. Like, I want to come out of COVID as fit as I can. And I would say, see, since COVID hit, it's probably the fittest and strongest head I've ever had in my life. Like, even from back when I was fighting amateur. Because even in amateur days, my mindset wasn't, like, 100% solid. But now, like, I feel, like, so, like, bulletproof where if something needs to get done or I've got, like, easy example. Like, nobody wants to go, like, you said just before, you said you were like, doing like assault bike stuff in the gym like yeah. nobody likes the assault bike like but if you go told me like go do 50 calories or something on it as hard as you can i'd be straight on that and i would jump on it like and blast them out but it's like a lot of people like no way i don't want to do that but for me it's like fuck i'll get it done i'll get stuck in um but yeah not well, as soon as lockdown hit my mindset was just changed it was weird because a lot of people saying demotivation or demotivation but for me it was like motivation to get out there and like you know, show people that I'm working in the background where they're getting lazy. So that's that was my mindset over the the period there. Yeah, it was big too. You know, a lot of people were talking about you know depression or it was driving them nuts, being stuck inside, and on and on it goes. But with you, you had a goal. You wanted to get back to where you were. You wanted to get back to that killer instinct, perhaps, if I can yeah. use that as as the term. When COVID hit, you're going. I don't care about this stuff i'm getting back to where i need to be whether i don't know what it was if the gym i know the gyms were closed and stuff like that if you're out running the roads if you're doing home workouts whatever it may be but was there a switch that needed to go off in your head being like okay i've no gym okay i can't see my teammates three times a day Mm -hmm. i'm gonna do x y and z to get where i need to be yeah so that was that was you had it the nail on the head like whenever you know whenever it gets took away like you could there's no uh way to train like everything's just going to be like online stuff like that's whenever i was like in my head like what do i do but you know there's there's two two or three different ways to look at it you can sit back and just not do a thing and get unfit and you know just like be demotivated and sit around the house or you can get stuck in and you know change your outlook on it all like my my outlook was always let's just let's just go hard at it like you know the more harder I go, the more fitter I'm going to get, the better I feel, my mind's going to be better. Um, you know, and I think it's just training that, like, you know, little wins every day. Like, if you're doing a workout, get the workout done, it's like a wee tick off your list. You know, yeah. you're, you're training yourself to win every session. So that's something that I haven't done in a long time, and I've been doing it consecutively now for for months on end, maybe coming up the year now. So that's, yeah, exactly. I, I, like, I like the way you worded that there question. I like that. 
well hopefully the questions later that the guys have submitted will be worded as well as that one <laughs> Um, you're also a coach. You 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 fight. You want to continue fighting, but you're also a coach. And I want to know how do you, do you how do you switch your mindset from I'm here to train me to fight or I'm here to coach? Is there something that goes off in you, or do you maybe have a certain ex- level of expectation that you expect, whether you're training, whether you're coaching, whether you're fighting yourself? Um, I'm very particular. Like, say if I'm training somebody or coaching somebody, like I need to. I need to have them doing something exactly how I want them to do it. And if they don't, like, we work on it. Like, there's a couple of people I would train, and I would work on one thing for the full full session until I'm happy. Like, they might not even get it then, but it has to be a certain level of, of the way I want it to look or the way I want the technique to run. So my coaching, like, I would say my coaching is, like, would be, would be quite particular and quite high level. Like, But then again, like, I bring in, beginners and people that has no experience all the time just to to train them and, and still like the basics have to be sharp on point perfect or i'll just not be happy <laughs> but there is a switch i know what you mean um between a fighter and being the coach my i don't really know that's a hard one like i don't really feel like i'm much different but i do notice a difference whenever it's my own training it goes a lot more like from zero to 100 while coaching you'll be a lot more like understanding like you know if somebody can't get it like i understand like it took me a long time to get it too yeah and uh, you just have to have like the, the best of both you know there's times where people need to push hard there's times where people need to be looked after a little more yeah absolutely i was talking to a football coach recently and he worked at professional level he says sometimes you have to be you know the funny uncle sometimes you have to be the aggressive okay. dad sometimes you have to be you know, the big brother puts the arm around the shoulder. He goes, you kind of have to be yeah. everything all in one. And I think it's a very good way to sort of sum up how you can coach. You do need to be a little bit of everything, I think. 100%. Um, there's a growing MMA scene, obviously, UK, Ireland, around the world in general. But a couple of questions for you. Why do you think it's growing and what needs to happen for it to continue to grow? I think, to be honest, it's probably more of the local shows. Cage Warriors is one major one, for example. Like they're producing a lot more um, UFC fighters. I'm pretty sure they've nearly signed what, is it 100 or more than 100 fighters now. Um, guys from over here, like Reese and other guys from over, like even guys from Reese, like Jai and uh, Mason Jones and stuff like that. Like all them guys, like, they're all getting signed, and I think that's bringing like more of the UK scene together to to show that that can be done. You know, the UFC was like a target nearly out of reach for everybody at the start. Uh, but now it's like getting more more and more and more local. Even local shows, like the scene's just getting, I think the scene's just getting a lot more like uh, a good vibe to it. It's not really seen as barbaric no more. That was one thing like before everybody was, you know, cage fighting or you're a cage fighter. Like it's not like that. It's, you know, we're martial artists at the end of the day. We're there to compete and be competitive. It's not a brawl. You know we're we're looking to to not take punishment, so I think I think it's just like taking away the barbaric side of things would yeah. definitely make it. Work. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I even remember back when I was a kid, um, I was a WWE fan, WWF fan, and that, oh, that's wow. how I get into sort of any type of sort of like martial art or competing was was wrestling. And you yeah. you grow up and you think it's real, and you realize it's not real, and when when Lesnar left WWE and eventually showed up in UFC, that's when my head sort of turned. 
and even yeah. at the time i had like my parents i had people going i can't believe you watched that I, like it's just it's way too aggressive it, it teaches so many bad things but now looking back at it from where society has been maybe in the mid 2000s or late 2000s with 2007 yeah. ish i think um deny you know when you start looking at mma and the, and the disciplines that it teaches you know like so the disciplines and the mindsets and the quality of coaching and stuff like that i think everyone's okay. beginning to see it for the the good that it teaches mm-hmm. more than anything else yeah for sure like um the discipline side of things is probably the main thing that I would took from that. Like, even when I was young, like there was other kids going out and the guys that I knew and they're causing trouble, but I was never that guy. And it also taught me to like, you know, understand. Like, I understand how people feel because you know if you've lost fights and stuff, you're down in the dumps and then you have to go back up again. Like, your head's always sort of up and down, so you can understand how people feel. And like that's one thing that I think I take from it, and it's really matured me as a person. You know, if somebody's struggling, I can see it instantly. Or if somebody's nervous, I know they're nervous. Like it's something where I can see it, and I feel like we take a lot from the sport that way as well. Maybe not just wrestling and martial arts, but maybe a lot of other sports too. I think so. Um, I agree. I think you know, like you said yourself, where you, where you almost have a list for the day and you take it off the list that you get to the gym. You know, like getting to the gym, going on time, giving a hundred percent. There's so many little, small, valuable lessons in and around mm-hmm. just showing up and getting it done um yeah and what i love about mma and a majority of the of the schools and the teachings is the level of respect that's shown throughout and i think that's so vitally important you know especially in a world now on social media where everyone's calling everyone names where everyone's attacking everyone and you go into maybe an mma class and you're giving it you're buying to someone before you begin to coach begin to fight whatever it may be there's there's certainly a level of respect there, and I think it's so vital for yeah. our society, especially in these days anyway. You know, as things begin to change and things are constantly changing, there is a throwback to just realism and respect, and I think that's so, so you key with the MMA. Yeah. For sure. Like, uh, everybody's sort of, like, instead of, you know, thinking you're better, you go in and somebody's, like, the local, like, I know a hard fella or something, you go into the gym, you know, you're soon going to find out you're not. Uh, the respect's always there. You know, everybody's treated the same. If you, if you need help, you get it. I know it's a, it's a lot of like, yeah, it's as you say, like respect, discipline, everybody's on the same sort of playing field. Yeah, I heard Jocko Willink. I don't know if you know who Jocko is, but Jocko was um, a retired Navy SEAL. Um, one of the top guys, the tactician guys. Yeah, he he's big mm-hmm. in jujitsu and martial arts. I heard him refer to jujitsu at one point as the great leveler of all men, and I just thought it was a really cool little statement. You know, you could yeah. have the toughest guy in the SEAL program, you could have the toughest marine come in, and if he's run his mouth or acting the guy, he goes, you could just level him with with jujitsu or any type of martial art. And I think it's such an important aspect of society. You know, yeah. is is that respect thing, and um, I think it's great to see the MMA scene growing. Um, with yourself as well, you work. Is it stealth? You work at stealth. Is that my right? Yeah, yeah, stealth. And one year birthday for stealth yesterday. Yeah. So happy birthday yeah. to everyone in and around and involved with that. How did that yeah. happen? What does it mean to you? And how did you get working there? So. Uh, the first way it started was I was actually working in a job and I wasn't I was just sort of this was when my mind wasn't 100% so I was just sort of working away trying to get money and stuff like the way you normally would 
then it was actually Reese. Reese had a, a plan of opening like an MMA gym and he wanted me to coach it with him. So there was going to be just me and him at the start. We went up to facility. We we seen it and we thought, yeah, well, Reese thought, yeah, let's do it. So we got it and we were coaching away, just MMA and stuff. Uh, the travel was a wee bit too much, you know, if we were because I would have took private one to ones and stuff. So I'd been traveling up and down maybe like two or three times a day, which just wasn't ideal. Uh, but then we brought it closer to home and we just had a new lease of life love for like strength um, conditioning you know fun sort of like feel good workouts you know things that's going to help people so we decided that's how we went to see that facility and Reese was straight on the ball so it was all sort of mainly Reese and Reese was just sort of like bringing me along for the ride it was, <laughs> he just I remember the first day he was like sat he goes right let's get a coffee and I sat down and he goes tell me now like do you want to do it or not? And I was just like, yeah. I think that I would just sort of like him and how over the, the question. <laughs> uh, so you know, go ahead. Um, I think it's so so important. In, you've in obviously got you've also got that you've that level of friendship there with Reese, which I think is so important because he can just go right in or not, and you have that like. It goes That's be it. it goes beyond the business thing. You can kind of just be like, right, are you in, are you in or not? And I think that's so so important for what you guys do. But following you guys on Instagram, you know, mm-hmm. the amount of people that are coming through your doors, little challenges that you do, people are being put through their paces. I can see it in the videos. You know, you, you the guys are dripping in sweat. They're they're busting themselves to get better. But you've little competitions. You've little challenges. It's all about the vibes as well. And I think specifically after COVID, and I think there'll be maybe the next couple of years at least, there'll be a lot more mental health issues coming up in and around because of this and the lockdown situation and loneliness and all that stuff. And I think having a gym which, how do you word it correctly, which which works on the body but also works on the mindset by celebrating the small goals, by little challenges, by doing things like that, I think that's going to play such a pivotal role massive in the lives of those people that you're working with and from your perspective as a coach do you get any pride in that whenever you see someone hitting their goals hitting their personal best meeting whatever target that they set and just enjoying it and loving life but obviously they're working hard (laughs) darn it's probably it's probably one of the 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 most satisfying things is like you know there's a lot of people there at that gym when they first walked through them doors they were like a wee ball of nerves and they wouldn't talk and they're shy and it fills me with pride all the time, and I'm sure that they realise that, like you know, we treat them, um, just as how we would want to get treated, and and they they smash goals that that are that are not easy. Like they come in and they would do their workouts, and maybe we would try and challenge them to something extra at the end. But the thing is, like we're we're proud of everything that they're doing. We're proud of what we're doing, and like the future can only be getting more and more better for us. Um. But we're we're training that that mindset as well. Like there's some of them there that could never think if they were doing their things that they're doing now, but they're getting it done, and and that's something especially like I'm proud to see it. I think mindset for me anyway, as someone who who works out and trains and does all this stuff, and a lot of my friends are are big into different aspects of sport, whether it be one of one of the guys a bodybuilder, another guys in the MMA and stuff like that. Mindset seems to be the biggest thing yeah you know if if someone can get their mindset right if someone can get their discipline right they seem to do very very well that seems to really be the key 
I want to yeah. talk now a bit about the professional fights, the fight week. Yeah. What happens in fight week? We just I just mentioned the mindset mindset of a fight week. You know your nutrition, your mentality. Are you out towards where the venue is? How does it all work? You know the start of the week's mainly stay moving. So you've done say you're you're in a twelve week or an eight week fight camp. Like you're going to be training hard the whole way through. Um, your mindset's strong on the point. The, the last fight week you get to like say you're fighting Saturday or on Monday, like you're sort of like tapering your training down. So you'll be doing still still working, you know, but not like working as hard. You know, you don't want to get injured. Your mind's sort of more thinking about the fight now. Um, maybe even more on the weight cut. Depends what you're doing, uh, how much cut you, weight you're cutting. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's a difficult task because you know that it's coming down to that time where you're, all your eight weeks or 12 weeks of hard training comes down to this one day. And especially with the weight cut, is something I always had a problem with. You know, weight cutting, it's not easy. It's like, it's like a mental battle. And my weight cut was always a lot. So I would have done like a, a weight cut with diet and then a weight cut of the weight cut week. So we would be doing like a double weight cut. It was savage, like maybe 14 kilos lost some, sometimes to the yeah. fights. Like, so... Uh, it's tough uh, but your mindset has to be strong you have to teach yourself just to, to keep going there's no option to not do it yeah well when, when you're on those weight cuts those really hard weight cuts is there yeah. ever a desire yes i just can't do this i need to give up or is it just you're so focused that you're like this is brutal but it's going to be worth it when that when that cage closes that door closes on saturday night like is that what you're focused on when you're going through that weight cut because of a friend of two friends who have done weight cuts and it's been brutal for both of them so i'm curious what your opinion is <laughs> i always it's just don't know what it's funny like the weight cut sort of side of things when it comes to like you know when you hear other people like struggling to make the weight and stuff it's funny to a certain degree to me but it's just the fact it it's so tough and nobody understands how tough it is unless you've done it uh there's no other option but to get it done and when you're say you're even in a salt bath so you're scalding warm you have to get out and wrap up warm like it's like a claustrophobic feeling you don't get to to get to breathe like your skin you can't go outside and stand uh it's just like an an endless thing until that weight is off but the biggest thing is like that focus just to get to that end goal of whatever weight you need to be so yeah there's never really a thought of like i can't do this it's more like you know your body your body might give up before you do so you have to be careful especially with weight cutting nowadays you know it's a lot more scientific based so it's getting more more safe but you know the old school day the way i done it like it's different level like you know your body's maybe quitting and you're just care you just keep going yeah it's probably scary like, it's probably worse than the conditioning training at the very start or <laughs> worse honestly it's actually so bad like what about the day of the fight? Because um, I love like the stories about the actual day of the fight. You get out of bed, you get your breakfast. I don't know what you yeah. do. Do you do a little bit of, you get the blood pumping, a little bit of light, or do you do nothing? Talk to me about that actual day of the fight right up to your walkout. So wake up, um, I would do a wee stretch in the morning. Like I would always stretch just to feel good. Get a shower, get my food, get breakfast, you know, something light. I don't want to be too bloated or anything because you don't want to be sick everywhere. So... You, know, you have to look after yourself. Uh, then I would go and do like a workout. Depends. I would either do the workout or do um, get my food and go do the workout. Just depends. Uh, but we would do pads, so like maybe just three three minute rounds or something like that, just to get the blood flowing. Because 
if you're piling on water and stuff again, you know, sometimes your skin and your your bloated and your your body's just feeling a bit heavy, so you want to feel good. Uh, you know, come home probably eat something again, head to the venue, check it out. Um, you know, maybe bounce around the ring a bit, get inside it, see how it feels. Uh, what else will we do? Eat again, eat a couple of bananas or something. Yeah. Uh, get your medicals done, and basically that's you. Get the hand wrapped and you warm up. Uh, depends. Like a lot of people warm up differently. For me, a warm up was two minutes, and then you just jumped out and fought. Like I just, I wasn't a big warm up guy. Sometimes I stayed warm for a long time, but everybody's different, man. I was just very like, you know, stay loose and then stay loose the whole time instead of doing one big warm up. I just done like a quick one and just stayed on it. Just went out. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's key, and then you're in the ring or you're in the cage, and the announcer does the announcements, and the cage door closes. Yeah. What's the feeling as you're standing across the ring from your opponent, and the announcer's doing the announcing? Is it just like hurry up, hurry up, and get the door closed? What What's going through your mind? Yeah, sometimes it's different. Like that's when I say my mind fluctuates a wee bit, but I was always like, see, whenever the door clo- or the the cage door closes, like that's whenever I switched in. You know, I was like, right, let's go, it's time. It's not really, you know, and it, no, all your worries went out your head. You didn't think about a single thing. Um, it was just you, your opponent, and that was it. Like there was no, there was no other thoughts. That was basically. That's always been that sort of for me. <laughs> then there's all the times where maybe I was a wee bit more like whenever I was sort of out of love of it a bit. It was like. You know, just hurry on, get it over, go get it over done with. Fifteen minutes is my max time. You know, that's the, as long as the longest I'm going to be in here. Yeah. And you've different, you've you fought for different organisations. You know, we talked, you've yeah. talked about Cage Wars. You've, you're, there's Clam Wars, there's the UK Fighting Championships, Akuma, Bama, and on and on. There's there's so many organisations, and it's good yeah. because it's given fighters a platform. Do you have a favourite venue that you've fought at so far in your career? It would have to be Bama's one, the free arena. I've fought there three, I think it's three times. Um, you know, crowds are big. There's like 5,000 some people there. It's it's good to enjoy it. It was always just like getting the trip to go down and, you know, everyone was taken care of. Your your um, your venue, your sleeping, like everyone was taken care of. Your food, it was a lot more professionally ran and you can tell the difference in them them local scenes like you know Bama was a bigger scene so whenever you're yeah. going to it you knew you were getting treated um what about the crowd does it play a, does it play a role in your in in your mind when if you're going out for a fight if there's not 5000 really. there no not not really like to be honest like whenever I'm doing it I always was just like head down and just go because I was there to do a job you know I'm not there to to sit and stare at the fans, I'm I'm there to go and get the work. Um, but no, there is a certain bit of it. You know, you have to bring the fans in with it now as well. Like you need to really like, you know, entertain them. And it was part of it. I actually enjoyed it. Like I was an exciting fighter where I done things and you know through maybe like spinning stuff and like all that type of stuff where the fans enjoyed it. And I always I always was praised on that type of stuff. So yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. I always like having the fans on the side. It's good to impress them. Yeah. <laughs> what about your favourite fight? Do you have a favourite fight of your career so far? That's a that's a tough one. You know, I might even go back to some of the amateur days and say some of them was my favourites because I had some massive punch ups. Like I had yeah. some big, big ones. And um, there's probably one I enjoyed against. 
boy called James O'Boyle. It was it was actually up a weight class, so I was fighting him like a heavier weight. He was bigger than a lot bigger than me, um, but pretty much just outboxed him for like three rounds. It was good though, like <laughs> I enjoyed it. I was had a smile on my face most of the fight, and then my pro debut was probably one because I was against a guy that was like highly ranked in the UK and I was only this wee flip an 18, 19 year old kid coming out and I was meant to get absolutely mauled but I came <laughs> out and, and, and beat him in the third round so it was it was satisfying because after it was over I was like I knew I could do that like you know you really talk like people talking saying I was going to get mauled there's comments online saying I'm going to get absolutely bashed but it's it's funny once it's over because you're like I knew I could do that but everybody was saying different so Oh, interesting point you made there, and I want to ask you about that. As a company, and uh, maybe you see yourself being like, "Hey, do you want this fight against this person?" Do you ever yeah. feel that maybe the oh the company's just lining me up here, someone to get beat, so this guy's record increases? And if that does happen, and you ever do feel that way, that must be the biggest motivator for oh, that particular absolutely. fight. If somebody tried to set me up to lose, I would nearly be jumping at the gun to go fight them. Like I would be like, "No way! Like I'm I'm at you. Like I w- I would love to have that." Um, but uh, there's also like a lot of guys. Uh, I probably won't say their names, but there's people that definitely slip and pad their record, and like there's guys searching for fights, and you know, oh, but you're not allowed to win, and all this year. There's mad stories. Yeah, I can imagine, especially in the sort of the smaller and the local scenes. Uh, maybe before there's a lot more, and you know, a regulation in and around it. I'm, I'm assuming, but um, I know, yeah. so, I know certainly in boxing, a lot of that sort of stuff goes on where you sort uh, of have people. Yeah, where you have people brought in, you know, almost as a sacrificial lamb, just to pad a record. Um, yeah. But you mentioned earlier, and I think it's something that's a credit to you. When if you had the choice, you'd rather take the nine and zero guy than the guy 100%. that's one and five, you know, because that's it's almost your chance too to go on and put out a show. It's almost your chance too to go here, look at me, notice me, you know, when yeah. you go, when you go out and spark someone who's nine and zero, you know, it's massive. Something I'm looking forward to doing as well. Once yeah. I get lined up, I'm itching at the gun to sort of get something going, and and even like even with everything that's going on, you know, I've got a lot of experience in the sport, and that experience will carry me through. So I'm just jumping at the gun to be able to show it. Like I just want to do it. It's not really a time for talking anymore. It's time for you know going out and grabbing it and doing it. Yeah, you mentioned earlier you've took fights in short notice. Would you be mm-hmm. Would you be interested in doing that again? Um, or is it right something now, that? I'm, I'm, yeah, right now I'm. I'm fight ready. I'm yeah. My condition is there. You know, I'm training just sort of like even the conditioning wise. Like we've been doing stuff with even racing. He's fighting in a couple of weeks, and we've been training like conditioning wise a lot the same. Like even MMA, we're doing bits and pieces. So we're flying. We're we're trying to stay ahead of the game. Um, with that as well, do you feel like it gives the opponent perhaps um, a bit more of a a platform you know is he is he better prepared because he's maybe had a 12-week fight camp and he's really he's ready and someone sort of brought in last minute or does it sometimes perhaps work against you you know if we look at tony ferguson prepping for khabib but all of a sudden yeah. he gets gaichi you know and, and it sort of maybe flipped back on him maybe perhaps yeah. i don't know but i'm curious on your opinion and all that um i i truly believe like you should be ready to fight anybody like there shouldn't really be um like a big massive deal if you have to change your who you're fighting in the last minute but then again Khabib is sort of a different animal where if you were fighting him you would want to be wrestling for flipping 25 years before you fight him but <laughs> um no I do get it like that type of thing's different but Getche 
Getchy was an animal that night. I don't think anybody was going to stop him, especially against uh, Tony. I think Tony got pretty much slapped up with him. Um, but Khabib's different. You would want to prepare for somebody like that. Uh, but there always is a wee factor of that. If last-minute fights come up like that, it's a bit different. Um, but if you're preparing long-term, there shouldn't really be an excuse. Yeah. Um, what's your favourite thing to train? You know, you wrestling, boxing, stand-up. If you're going, your coach has said, right, Mark, pick what you're training today. What are you picking? Mm, that's a, can I say sparring? Because it's, yeah. it's, it's all of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I would say like before it was more striking, but now I've really found a way in my grappling, like um, wrestling jiu jitsu. But I've always got that striking side there. Like I would think on the scene, people would probably think more of me as a striker anyway. But um, grappling is something where I've been, I've always been good. Like even amateur, I won like six in a row first round arm bars. Like people forget about that. Um, yeah. You know, I've I've sort of got it all, but I just haven't got to show it. So. I think session-wise, like I love it all. Like sparring, I definitely would expect sparring over everything. Yeah, do work is that? Do you feel you get majority of your education in the sparring, or do you feel it's more in the tight one-to-ones and the specifics of things? Um, you sort of need the mix of both. But sparring's where you know you get to practice at real time. You you can time things and you can test out what works and get comfortable in the uncomfortable with it. So you know you have to do it when you're tired and exhausted and. You maybe get you maybe get scrapes all over your face and there's blood pouring out of you, but sure you have to you have to be able to to deal with that and do your technique that you've been you've been working on you know under that type of pressure. Maybe from a fighter point of view, and this is something I've always from uh, from someone who watches you know and and I'm conscious yeah. of saying that from someone who watches and have never been a fighter never been in in the ring or a cage. Whenever you see, whenever I watch fights, sometimes you know you get to that fourth round or good start of the fifth round, and you're thinking, right, if this guy doesn't get a knockout, he's lost. Yeah. Um, as that fighter, do you feel there's any? And sometimes they come out and they don't, and they're still timid, and they and they end up losing by decision. Yeah. I always feel like, why doesn't he just come out swinging? And... I don't know what it is. I know what you're even going to say. It's like. You know, why don't you just do it? Like, why not just go for it? Yeah, um, I'm curious about the mindset behind it. In my mind, what I think is going on is they feel like they've lost already. So their mind's not motivated. So it nearly, like, defeats the purpose of going for the the fight to, to finish it. Yeah. If you understand what I'm sort of trying to say, it's, like, demotivating because they feel like, oh, I've lost. So, um. Might as well think, just take it as is, then get knocked out. Well <laughs> he's just outclassed me. But if I was that fighter, like you do have, you would have to go for it, or you just can't let yourself get in that position. To be honest, you just can't be sitting four rounds down and being getting smashed the whole time. Yeah, um, the, the fighter I'm thinking about and um, was was Tyron Woodley. You know, his last couple of fights specifically, I'm like, I'm like, just come out swinging. You've, you know, at the end and. It sort of frustrated me a little bit because I know a lot of people don't really seem to like him or his style. I actually quite yeah. enjoy watching him fight because I find him a bit different. But yeah. um, the fact that he's his last couple, he's really hasn't really came out swinging. You know those last couple of rounds, and it's always yeah. been, oh, why don't you just come out swinging? And it's always sort of been something in my head. I was like, I need to ask that. I need to ask a fighter why. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, picking your picking your mindset about that. If they felt they've already lost, and what's the point? And maybe the motivation's gone by the time they've gone through. You know, ten minutes if they've lost two or 
20 minutes if they've lost four yeah. you know but for you some some sort of closing thoughts now i want to know about some inspirations for you um some of your favorite fighters who inspires you who do you look up to um probably one's probably my coach rodney um for sure he was a tough nut he, he's been around a long time um other than that like anderson selva was always one of my go-tos like see creative wise like i always loved his style um mcgregor's up there just because he's caused the way he is like not even just his fight style i just like him as a person i think he's hilarious like when he puts up whatever god knows what i i laugh at it every time so um, there's not really like i never really had like a big influence on me but i just like watching them guys and i sort of made my own style myself i never really took it from anybody so it was always um you know if people's watching like they're they're hero as such they're been using their style and all but i wasn't really like that i just like them fighters and they're cool cool to watch it's interesting you know even last night you know uriah hall and anderson silva the show respect after i thought it was i thought it was really really good to see and um for someone like anderson silva who's inspired maybe a, a generation of fighters to get into fighting and to get into ufc and to get into mma just based on his career but yeah. you, you mentioned Connor and thinking about overhaul, the UK and Ireland and everything. Do you think that Connor's success has really impacted the MMA scene in the UK and Ireland? Um, yeah, massively. Like you can see the, you can see the difference in how many people support um the sport now due to him being there. Like even the Irish fans, like there wasn't as many Irish fans as that. And then when McGregor came along, like. He brought everybody with him and they brought him up and you know even up um where i live like there's so many people to support him and like the whole sort of nation's behind him it's just a pity that he sort of like sort of fell off the saddle a few times but um i would love to see him get back to it and see him compete because i think everybody watches tunes in and watches him when he competes yeah he's one of those those fighters one of those figures even like mike tyson coming back at boxing you know whatever it may be it's like doesn't matter where they are what's going on if they're fighting people are interested and it brings eyes to the product and locally um if it's encouraging a lot more kids and a lot more teenagers and a lot more even young adults to think i'm gonna give this a go it's a great thing for the sport it's a great thing for the gyms it's a great thing for the coaches because you know of the work of the environment of the chance to you know sort of increase their own you know maybe influence in the local area and even if we bring it closer to home and think about your your yourself and Reese and Balamina and a couple of the other guys in, in your team and stuff like that, yeah. there must be a great swell of support in the local town for you guys whenever there's a fight going on or whether, you know, coming up to fight week and stuff like that. Yeah, like from where we are, like we're pretty local. So like everybody knows everybody. So even even if I'm fighting and um i'm at the show and it's just a local show like i might not even bring half the people with me but they're there supporting me so you know it could be other people's fans it's maybe on the other side of the card or something and they're nearly going like supporting like it's very supportive like everybody wants to see everybody do well and anybody that i've went past and maybe watched me fight before they always say hello and um it's a very friendly place at times you know (laughs) sport wise at times yes otherwise maybe not but you know the support scene's massive yeah i think so i mean 
over home in terms of football I'm a Crusaders fan and the likes of like Carl Frampton and stuff you know being a Greece fan yeah <laughs> but likes of um, likes of Carl you know he's sort of like a little celebrity at CV he gets his shirt every year you know all this sort of thing yeah. puts a post up on Instagram I like that about Northern Ireland and I like that about over home is the fact there is a local desire for local people to do well and yeah. For you as a fighter, is that important to you? Do you do you like do you feel the support and does that spur you on? Yeah, like I love it. Like if you're especially if you're fighting in Belfast and you know everybody can sort of make it up to the fight. Yeah. Um, there's a big difference whenever you're walking out and you know there's a lot of a lot of fans and a lot of people like um giving a lot of noise when you're walking out compared to the other guy. Maybe if he's not local, you know there's not as much noise. But it's one of them things where if you have that support, it's it makes it a lot easier, you know. I fought, I fought in hostile crowds a couple of times over in, in Scotland and stuff, and it's just not the same. You just sort of have to smile and laugh it off, you know. Even if you're getting booed, you just sort of have to laugh it off. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I hate this. You've just uh, just a load of Scottish guys just screaming for <laughs> yeah. you, sat you, and they don't even know you, and they don't even know them. I know. A um, couple of questions now from what people have submitted from Instagram, just to wrap us up. Yeah. Um, Matt Halliday, a friend of mine, a guy with the school with, he has submitted a question. He says, "Who was your most challenging fight against?" And this could be this could be even in 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 in, in sparring, in training, you know, whatever, even professionally, amateur. Do you have a most know. challenging fight? <laughs> My coach, he batters <laughs> me. I'm, he's a gorilla. He's the hardest one to work with. Um. If it isn't a fight, I would probably just say, God, I don't even know. Like, I mean, they were hard when I was fighting, but like when I think of it now, it was there was none that was like, it was the hardest thing ever. I would just say probably yeah, I'm Sparm, Rodney. Yeah, they just no quarter given. He just goes for it, does he? <laughs> he just looks like if he's not trying, but when he hits, he nearly lifts you off the floor. I'm not even joking. <laughs> Um, here's one from Cameron Lowe underscore one. What is the most important lesson you've learned from martial arts? Um, probably discipline and a big drive. You know, to do and like whatever your goal is, you have to drive towards and do it, and make sure you've got the right crowd around you, keep the right people around you. And finally, the last question I'm going to ask it's from Ian underscore MCI. Says, what was your best fight, or what did, or what fight did you enjoy the actual experience of the most? Probably the one I said, the James one, um, just from because it was just like a bell to bell. It was just sort of a war. It was just constant. Uh, pro debut was good. It was like a sort of a war as well. I was getting, I was getting mauled with a couple of elbows, but you know, I fought through it. Uh, what else? Don't know what. Like I can't even like it's. I can't really remember half of them to be honest. It was a logo, but yeah, the James one was probably it was probably one of my favourites just because it got to really show like my hands and and that's when I got comfortable with it. And just last question for me then, as we wrap up, what about your family support? Um, whenever you decide you want to do MMA, was there any pushback? You know, like, don't get involved. Not as too dangerous, too risky. And what's that support like now? Yeah, so my mum was. Um, she's just like a wee small quiet lady like she never wanted me to do it my dad sort of just listened to her when then he didn't want me to do it like they were so strongly against it they would rather have me do any other sport in the world except it but i just <laughs> it's what i want to do and you know 
back then they didn't really support too much of it and um, they just more wished for my safety than anything else uh but now it's a totally different story you know if i've got a fight you know they just you know they're always there supporting me they don't go to the fights they don't let them go to the fights just in case but uh i'll let them watch the fights after and they're always interested they're there to ask me and nagging on at me to get watching them so yeah the support's a lot better now yeah no thankfully that's that's good i mean the one thing you want is the support of your family and i think it probably means so much to you as well to have your family you know supporting and wanting you to do well and everything yeah yeah 100 percent. like um what about your friends as well were they were they similar they uh they just enjoyed a good party to be honest uh they, they did they came and support it um i think i've always had a good support system with like my friends like they always showed up uh they'll always help me out if i ever need anything like they'll be there so support system's great yeah and uh, last question actually i want to throw this up to you um your guilty pleasures whenever you're treated do you have to fight off a mcdonald's do you have to fight off a pizza what's what goes on you know in terms of your in, in terms of your prep preparation and even just your your daily life do you ever have to push away anything or do you just give in oh, and uh, fix it ice cream. <laughs> ice cream every time like i would nearly have like an ice cream maybe every other night or something but i work hard for it you know i don't eat them all the time but I make sure that I make up for it if I'm taking it. Um, chocolate's just a guilty pleasure. There's one time after a fight, I think I had chocolate every day for for breakfast. Uh, <laughs> and there's even cheesecake was good too. But chocolate and ice cream's probably the main guilty pleasures. Like it's it's always and Christmas is coming and it's always the hardest time of year for that see stuff. Boxes, see them celebrations, like they get absolutely destroyed. So. I know, I know, and the, the, I always remember the old selection boxes too, used to get about 10 oh, of them a year. <laughs> well, Mark, I've, I've really, really enjoyed this chat, it's been really, really good fun, and just before we sign off, um, once again, for any listeners, we can find you on Instagram at markandrew.mma, Twitter, yeah. you're at markandrew95, am I right? Yeah. And even stealth, your gym, where people can come to you yeah. they can get coached they get instructions is at where on instagram it's underscore stealth well there you have it folks you have three ways to get in touch with mark andrew to get coached and to get better and to learn some things with mma and discipline but mark um really really enjoyed it really really had fun and i'm excited to see where you go next and what's next for you in your in your path in the mma world i really appreciate it no it was it was great it was, it was good fun. We had a good laugh. Thank you for listening to the podcast with me, your host, Darren. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the podcast. Thanks for your time. Stay safe and tune in next time.